You're listening to Redneck Redemption. I'm Todd. I'm Drew. I'm his dad. I'm his son. God gives everybody stories. We want to be good stewards of the stories God has given us. We may be an exception to the story rule because (laughs) we've got quite a few of them. And you know, Christ, uh, when he was here, he he ministered to the masses in stories. And we went from bow hunting straight to this. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Redneck redemption, I'm telling you. Oh, yes, sir. It works. If me and dad can be used by God, anybody can. Well, we're excited to get started and to finally have a great way to share all these crazy stories with you guys in one place. Uh, Drew and I started recording these first few episodes at his house in Virginia, and since that time, uh, some crazy things have happened. It's just kind of crazy how the Lord has provided for us. Uh, so in the near future, we're going to be using some brand new equipment for a higher quality sound and probably eventually a like a high-definition video format. Uh, this first episode, though, is going to be just a little bit different. When we started recording, we, we didn't have a script, but Andrew had a plan I didn't know about to let you guys know how we both got here. So this is just really a little bit of introduction to us. And I want to tell you that when we tell stories, we don't clean them up to try to make ourselves look good. What you hear today is going to be real and raw. And at one point, it's going to be a little colorful and maybe a little more colorful than you might expect. But everybody's got a story, and today we hope ours encourages you and brings you back for more. And one last thing. This first episode is going to be just a little bit longer than most of our episodes. Uh, We just took a little extra time to let you know where we're coming from. Most of the time, these episodes will be between 30 and 40 minutes or so. All right, so here we go. Let's enjoy. Hey, today if you listen to the the uh, what do we call this the debut episode? Isn't that what they call the first episode? Or debut pilot. They got all kind of names for. This is the genesis of this podcast. The, the genesis of the podcast. Okay. Stay tuned for revelations. <laughs> so I'm his dad, and I'm his firstborn son. And uh, just before we go any further, we want to welcome all you guys. Thank you for even taking that time to give us a chance and just to listen. Uh, we just want to tell you. God gives everybody stories, uh, and we want to use the stories that he's given us. We may be an exception to the story rule, uh, because... <laughs> We've got quite a few of them. <laughs> because we have a ton of stories that God has given us, and... Uh, Ranging and, from uh, God told us to do this weird thing to God almost killed us, and yeah. now we get to share how awesome he is. Yeah. Well, that's exactly right, you know. And that's really kind of how the concept of this started. Let's just do that. So, hey, what we're trying to tell you is we want to be good stewards of the stories God has given us. And several of you through the years have just really encouraged us to do something with these stories. And so uh, here, it's been quite a while back, uh, Andrew hollered at me and said, Hey, Dad, uh, I got an idea about something we could do. Let's do a podcast. Uh, Drew, just kind of tell them how this how this came to you, son. Uh, well, I... Uh... Awkwardly enough, being younger than you, I'm technologically challenged, uh, people tell me. Uh, and for those of you who don't know us, I'm 26 years old as we're recording this. And uh, I got rid of my flip phone about four, three or four years ago. Uh, so I just discovered podcasts about two or three years ago. And the convenience of li- listening to those suckers uh, by the radio talk shows on my way back and forth to work. Uh, and I was listening to them, and I, I got two of them that I listen to quite commonly. Um, uh, I'm a traditional bow hunter. I uh, just got into back into that about two or three years ago, so I started listening to a few of those podcasts, and, and all those guys have stories. And for those of you who want to hear good hunting stories uh, from a Christian perspective, look up any, any story by Monty Browning, and that, that really inspired me. 
as far as storytelling. And then I started listening to uh, Unashamed with Phil Robertson. Uh, and those guys are putting out some good stuff. It just kind of came to me, uh, you know, it wouldn't take much to get one of these things going. So I just called Dad, and, and my thought process was uh, we got all these people approaching things uh, religiously from a theological standpoint. Uh, and, you know, Christ, uh, when he was here, he impressed the religious leaders of the day with theological um in depthness, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But uh, I like that word you just created. Oh, well, you'll probably hear more of that. Oh yeah, <laughs> word creation. Uh, he he ministered to the masses in stories uh, because yeah. stories is what right. we as people relate to. Right. Uh, he communicated abstract ideas through concrete. Uh, examples. Yeah. Right. Uh, and a lot of people overlook that detail. Uh, they get so caught up in the meaning of the parables, they forget the reason for the parables. Yeah. You know, I, I remember one time preaching somewhere, and a majority of what I preached on that night, I, I, I told a story, a big, long story. And uh, and then I I got to thinking, man, I, I, need to just, I need to just forget these stories and just preach the scripture, just the straight scripture. And you know, uh, Man, somebody quickly reminded me of Jesus' teaching and preaching model, just like you said, son. He's always telling stories and then turning those stories into, uh, well, he did it over and over in the parables, uh, just like you said about something abstract and something concrete. So anyway, you know, through the years as we have amassed more stories just by living and just we enjoy sitting around and telling them we want to just share some with you. And so some of this will be kind of off the cuff. Uh, some of this may be just a little bit raw. Uh, some of it might end up getting just a little bit edited. <laughs> but we're gonna have a we're gonna have a good time. And from a from a father's perspective, man, it just excited me to uh, to have a son that wanted to call me and say, Dad, let's do something together. And so, man, I'm honored that God has given us the family He's given us. Andrew is the oldest of our five children. It so, was wild times in our house, hence most of the stories. Yes, it was. I remember one time somebody asked me my kid's age, and when I told them, uh, they said, man, and that was before Hannah was born, they said, I didn't need your phone number, man. I wanted your, your kid's age. But we, <laughs> we're blessed with a bunch of kids, and it's an honor, uh, really, for us to be able to sit around and tell stories and enjoy it, and then for Drew and I to get a chance to share some stories together and then point to the story maker, just point to the one who is writing our stories and knows the end of our story and yours as well. And we're just going to have fun doing it, and we hope you enjoy this in the yeah. process because we're going to enjoy it whether you enjoy it or not. <laughs> yeah, we are. <laughs> Talk to the folks, Andrew, about the name of this program. How in the world did we come to settle on this? Uh, Well... Similar to the reason that I thought of this podcast, and uh, I called Dad one day and I told him, "Hey, let's start a podcast." And he he immediately hits me back with, "What the heck would we start? Would we call a podcast that we start with?" So I started putting some thought into it, and uh, uh, like I said earlier, a lot of people are they're they're so taken back with the theology and the letter of the law, spirit of the law, getting in depth with this stuff and. Uh, growing up in a smaller area, of, uh, technically I did most of my growing up in Genoa, Arkansas, uh, where a lot of people, uh, they just want to know what, what I got in front of me and what I got to do. They're not worried about the in-depth, nitpicky, hair-splitting stuff that a lot of these podcasts are talking about. And I was like, well, if, if, 
what are rednecks better at than telling stories? Uh, and then uh, if if me and Dad can be used by God, anybody can. So That's redneck sure. redemption. That's for sure. <laughs> you know, I think uh, just listening to you say that, you know, for years I've talked about what really impresses people, and it's not just people in rural areas or people from the South. I think it's people in general. The Lord has just made opportunities for us to go several places across this globe and uh, see and meet several cultures and people. And people are moved by what is real and by what they can relate to. And yeah. so, uh, you know, I don't, I can't, I can't afford to put up a front as a pastor. And I've been pastoring churches now for since Andrew was born, uh, twenty six years. Yeah, for twenty six years. Mass in so, public, not so good. And I, my wife and I, <laughs> Debbie, have have served together in in uh, several churches over that time frame, and just. Just walking with people, dealing with people, we, we come to learn that people connect with reality. We just want to be around people who are real, okay? And real people experience real life uh, in real time and have real stories. And so uh, because of that, I think I get most encouraged from testimonies from people of the things that, that God has, not just what God has done, uh, but what God is doing. And so, uh, and even in the little things, the crazy things that he'll use to speak to you and show you things about who he is and how he works. So having said that, uh, I guess we can just share a, a few stories with him, son. All right. What story do we start with? Is Goodness the real gracious, question. man. That, <laughs> you know, a year ago, a year ago, it was a little over a year ago, we were sitting right here at your house and uh, and I made a social media post, and, I, and I, in that post, and I might have done it, I may have done it in video format, I can't remember, but I just said something about, hey, through the course of the next year, uh, we're going to, and uh, we were already talking about this then. Yeah. A whole year has gone by, we're just now getting started. But I remember asking the folks, I said, hey, uh, if there are some stories you would like for us to include, drop them in these notes and comments. Now, before we hit record on this mic i didn't pull up those notes and comments but mm-hmm. i was amazed at how many stories just from places that where i have spoken that people sent messages back and just said hey don't free, don't leave this one out don't leave that one out yeah you know. yeah uh well I, we'll do this to to get a, a a starting point why don't we start with uh the crazy weird story of how you ended up being a pastor and not a architect <laughs> what <laughs> Okay, <laughs> okay. So this is totally unscripted here. Uh, it's interesting to me, son, that, that you want me to tell that story. Uh, so, man, I've got to learn how to make a long story short instead of what I have mastered through the years of making a short story long. Listen, if people are going to want to listen to a podcast, they're going to be bored. So making a short story long is probably <laughs> <laughs> so embellish upon it, huh? Man, I grew up in I grew up in Southwest Arkansas. Uh, now my wife and I serve. In uh, in Northeast Texas, and we've pretty much stayed in that region all of our lives. But I grew up in a small church, Southwest Arkansas. Uh, man, my dad was a deacon there. Uh, I remember I remember going to a revival when I was a when I was probably eight years old, and hearing this guy preach. And and uh, that night when I got home, wanting to give my life to Jesus. And then about I was I guess I was eight about. A year later, when I was nine years old, I remember waking up one morning, and uh, I shared a, a room with my little brother, Kevin, who, uh, if you guys, those of you who are our listeners, if you don't know him yet, you'll feel like you know him <laughs> if you listen to this podcast much, because we will definitely be talking about my brother, Kevin. Kevin and I shared a bedroom, and I remember one morning, I woke up, I was nine, he was eight, 
And I just sat up and looked at him and I said, John 2021. 20, and uh, he looked at me and said, what? I said, John 2021. 20, and he said, what, what does that say? And I said, I don't have any idea. It's just a verse popped in my head, you know. And so we looked it up and it's Jesus is talking. He says, as my father has sent me, even so send I you. And uh, I thought, wow, yeah, that's cool. What does that mean? You know, and I, I remember going in, we walked in my mom and dad's bedroom, told them what happened. And they thought that was cool. They kind of made a big deal out of it, you know, and then I totally forgot that it ever happened. Uh, until about nine years later, at the age of 18, senior in high school, uh, was already making plans for my life, was planning to be an architect, had uh, already had, man, I built myself a drafting table already. I had, I had bought equipment. I was already taking courses. I'd already been drawing blueprints, had a scholarship to go to the University of Arkansas at Fayetteville and uh, study architecture. And, but in March of my senior year of high school, which was 19, I, uh, <laughs> way back in the 1900s, man, I remember something happened and I went to this weekend event we had at our church that I grew up in and God just really shook me up there that weekend in an unexpected way, son. And for the first time, uh, I remember getting on my face and, and say, okay, Lord, I've not really asked you what you want me to do with my life, but I've got plans. And so what I basically did was I was, I was going to pray about, you know, what I was going to become. And and in all honesty, I just started praying because I, I told the Lord my plan and wanted his stamp of approval, you know. So that very first time, uh, I, I believe it was in March of my senior year, when I began to pray, immediately as I prayed, I mean, it was like a flashback scene from a movie. And I, and I was eight years old again, no, nine years old again. And I, I, I had forgotten this ever happened. And I, I remember I could see myself uh, in that bedroom. I saw myself sit up and look at my brother and say, John 2021. 20, and I could hear him read it to me as my father has sent me, even so send I you. And I remember thinking, whoa, man, ain't no way. But at that point, you know, uh, God began to deal with me and I really had a plan and my plan was to get God's approval. So on, on my architect plan, you know, and then, but when that happened that way, I remember I just argued with God. So immediately I knew what God was saying to me that I didn't catch when I was nine, obviously. So I started trying to justify things. I said, okay, God, here's the deal. I tell you what, you want me to, I'll draw churches. I'll draw plans for churches, <laughs> and uh, that that didn't that didn't fly. So for several months, I, I ran from God, fought the Lord on it, was scared to death. Man, I was a super shy kid, uh, and just was man not comfortable being around people, much less in front of people. And so I know that's hard for you to believe. <laughs> if you could see facial expressions here, you, but. Uh, so that was in March, rocked on through the whole summer. At the end of the summer, I was so miserable. I reached a place uh, where I just said, hey, uh, all right, God, I I've got to hear from you. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to tell you this just the way it went down, but uh, I wouldn't suggest trying to get the Lord to speak to you in this way <laughs> because the more I look back at this, I realize I, I, I don't have the right to, to command God or to tell him when and how he can talk to me. But the God who knows us and created us knows how to speak to us when and how. And so he knew what I needed that night. But here's what happened. I was at the point of such great frustration. I really already knew what God was going to say. 
But I got on my face and I said, okay, God, I've got to hear from you. I can't take another step without knowing what you want from my life. I'm miserable and I need, I want you to speak to me and speak to me now. And uh, those were the words I said. <laughs> those were the words I ignorantly said to the Lord. And he very graciously uh, honored my request because uh, what happened next there in August of 1987 in, in my bedroom downstairs in my mom and dad's house uh, has changed my life forever. You know, in in the next few moments, uh, I remember I reached over and grabbed my Bible. And I'm going to grab this one now. I reached over and grabbed my Bible. And, and I can't tell you how I landed there. And I, did, I didn't do that. Just open your Bible, stick your finger in, point kind of thing. Uh, I don't. I don't know how my Bible was open to this passage. Uh, I'm not. The wind didn't like blow it. All I know is I grabbed my Bible and when I when I picked it up and looked at it, it was open to Ezekiel chapter two. And I know I had read this before, but it just these words leapt from the page at me. And uh, and it says so. When I saw it, I fell on my face and I I heard the voice of one speaking. And he said to me. Son of man, stand up on your feet, and I will speak to you. And man, in that moment, uh, I knew I was hearing from him. It wasn't just black ink on white paper. If you can't understand what I'm saying, man, uh, I, I hope you have some kind of experience like this at some point. But I knew God was talking to me. Simultaneously, when I read that verse of scripture, stand up on your feet and I'll speak to you. Man, I, I, I describe it as the presence of the Lord. I don't know any other way to describe it, but man, just the, my realization of his presence became so amazingly real in that moment that, uh, man, it was like the power of God just overcame me. And uh, I didn't, I couldn't remain standing there. I, I, I crumbled onto the floor and I trembled. I remember rolling up in fetal position because I just, suddenly the presence of God was so strong in my room. I, I'd never experienced that before. Even though I've been in church all my life, I didn't know God had permission to make himself that real. I mean, I didn't know. I, I didn't know. There was a lot I didn't know. So I'm telling you, there's a lot I still don't know. <laughs> but I know that in that moment, he did something to me, and uh, and he let it let me know for sure that he had something for me to do. Uh, and, and the rest of it simply is this. Man, trembling on my floor, I was afraid to open my eyes. I didn't know what I was going to see. You know, I'm thinking about Zacharias in the temple when Gabriel showed up. I didn't know if there's an angel standing there. All I know was some presence was in my room. Like, I did not know God could could make me experience something on that level. But uh, finally, after a long period of time, I was able to reach up on my bed, grab that Bible again, and pull it down to the floor where I was. And uh, tears flowing through my eyes, knowing what I already knew what he was saying. And then I read the rest of the passage where it says, uh, Then the Spirit entered into me when he spoke to me. And he set me on my feet, and I heard him who spoke to me. And he said, Son of man, I'm sending you to my children. And uh, you can read that whole passage for yourself. But uh, in essence, that's a, that's what turned everything around for me. And you know what? There's been a lot of days when I would be in a position to where I would be super nervous or overly conscientious about who I am and who I'm not and uh, my own abilities and my own lack of abilities in some areas and there have been a thousand times over when the Lord reminded me uh, 
And then there have been times when I reminded him, this was not my idea. <laughs> I had another plan, but he made it so very clear that this was what he was calling me for and prepared me for in life. And so, man, uh, I was not expecting you to throw that bone to me, son, <laughs> right off the bat. But uh, that, that blessed my socks off. You wanted to hear that. Yeah. Uh well, we couldn't decide where to start, so I figured, uh, you know, some stories about what led us to want to start this podcast. And, right. and for you, that that is because you're in the ministry and you're you're reaching a point now where you know, you're getting ready to get a little bit bigger than just the the church that you're at or the community you're in. Um, and so that's that's where your desire for this comes from. Uh, so. I guess it's time for me to tell how I ended up yeah. right here where I was ready to do this podcast. Uh, <laughs> of course, obviously, uh, as you guys have kind of put together, I was raised by the man on the other side of the mic here uh, and my mother. Uh, but uh, unless you're extremely familiar with our family, what you don't know is that I was homeschooled through my whole life. And uh, <clears throat> my whole curriculum was based around the Bible. As a matter of fact, my history curriculum was called His Story uh, because it was all based around uh, the coming of Christ. Uh, and like Jace Roberts Robertson says, uh, before Christ being, He's coming. Uh, during Christ being, He's here. And then after Christ saying, He was here. <laughs> uh, and I had a deep-rooted uh, sense of of Christianity. Everything that I am, everything that I was, everything was rooted in uh, how I believed and what I did. And as a matter of fact, at eight, I think it was eight years old. Right. Uh, I came <laughs> at First Baptist or Shiloh Baptist Church in Juneau, Arkansas. Uh, I walked down the aisle and I told Dad, "I'm, I'm submerging to the ministry." Uh, and to be honest, everybody that knew us and our family expected me to be a preacher. Um, yeah, and I was thinking I was thinking you were older than that because I, I, I remember that day at Shiloh because you didn't say a word to me about that man. Mm-mm. I had no idea you were coming down the aisle. In my mind, you were about thirteen or so, which which might, that, might that might be maybe close to reality because yeah. that's when we were there. But regardless, I remember that day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and 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 part of it's because I didn't really know much other. But growing up, I wanted to be in the ministry. I wanted to be a preacher. I wanted to be all this stuff, and then as as a young teenage man, it kind of shocked everybody when uh, coming up to graduation, they were like, oh, you're going to Bible college, and you're going to seminary. No, like, nah, I'm going to trade school. <laughs> right. um, and it really threw everybody for a loop. I was just at a point, that, at, at being homeschooled, um, not saying it didn't afford me opportunities, but part of it said I didn't know what opportunities were there for me, but I didn't have a way to pay for college. Uh, I was sick of school, and a lot of people who know me know how I am. I like doing things with my hands. I build bows uh, as a hobby. Uh, I spend about 20-plus hours building a bow just for it to break or maybe shoot an arrow. Uh, I, I'm weird. Uh, but I was just I was tired of being in a, what you call a student status. So I worked in uh, a trade school for two years uh, at a place uh, called for a company called P&P Woodworks uh, right outside of New Boston, and it's actually in a town called Maud, Texas, uh, for those of you who are familiar with it. And uh, after that, I just I didn't know what I wanted to do, and, and part of me being 19, 20 at the time, I was, uh, you grow up in a small town where everybody knows your dad, and, and 
to an extent you kind of get oh that's Todd's boy and people either like you or hate you or don't want to be around you or love to spend time with you because you're Todd's boy uh <laughs> not always uh, a blessing <laughs> yeah it, it, it has his mixes you know but uh <clears throat> I wanted to do something different uh <laughs> so I got a wild harebrained idea and I joined the Marine Corps and I spent uh I've been in the Marine Corps for a little over six years uh, it looks like by the time I'm done with the Marine Corps, unless I re-enlist again, I'll be in for uh, nine and a half-ish, somewhere in there, years. Uh, but uh, when I joined the Marine Corps, uh, went what a lot of people thought was crazy and just uh, you, living your stereotypical so your wild oats kind of life almost. Uh, but I never had that before. Right. And coming from where I came, uh, I was doing the wrong thing wasn't really an option for me uh the way i mean it wasn't uh not only was i raised very strictly which i have no i'm not complaining about but i also had a brother who was four years my junior who thought i was perfect and he wasn't so anytime i tried to sneak anything first thing peter did was go tell my mom you know how andrew's doing whatever um and so I went through this phase where I was uh, sowing my wild ups, oats, you could say. I guess to an extent, you could say I, I was, I wouldn't say I was blatantly running, but I was just kind of fading into the shadows and not paying attention to what God had for me. Um, and little did I know, that's what he had for me. Uh, but here about... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's an amazing <laughs> statement there, but yeah, we'll come back to that. Uh, yeah, we'll come back to that. Uh, about a year and a half ago, uh, right after, is is the summer, well, springtime of 2019, right after I got stationed uh, or moved from California to over here in Virginia. Uh, of course, uh, <clears throat> when I joined... I. I I was married, uh, been married the whole time I've been in the Marine Corps uh, for the most part, uh, and and my wife was right there along with me. We were kind of sold in our wild oats, but uh, as we approached having our first son in 2018, she wanted to get back in church, and I was just, uh, the way I'm living, I don't want to go <laughs> face that, that issue, you know. Just, I, I didn't want to be out of the presence of God, but I didn't want to purposely put myself in a place where I had to submit to uh, the fact that I was not living in line with what God wanted me to do. Right. Uh, th- you know, that balance point of, yeah. of not <clears throat> not blatantly running, uh, but trying to get away with all I can. Mm-hmm. And, and those of you who are parents will probably have, you're thinking of which kids like that. You know, they're not blatantly against you, but they're going to get away with whatever you right. they can when they think you're not looking. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way to say that. <laughs> we laugh because we're both thinking about yeah. the same one of my siblings. <laughs> well, uh, we're thinking about several things. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, uh, and it was about, I, I think it was April. I need to write all this whole thing down. I think it was April of 2019. I was driving uh, in my blue Toyota Tacoma down Route 621, I believe it is, up here in northern Fredericksburg. Uh, and I was avoiding the voice of God because I knew he wanted to deal with me, uh, but I was not ready for it. And uh, ever since I was a kid, because of the way I was raised uh, in, and where I came up, whenever I'm avoiding what God's telling me to do, uh, I have uh, created this process in my mind where uh, I put myself on a pedestal in front of a large group of people in my mind and I preach because, you know, the guy up there has to have everything figured out. Why? I don't know that. You'll figure out through our stories. I know much better than that. <laughs> but uh, that that is just what I've always done when I'm avoiding the quiet of 
being in God's presence. And I was driving down the road, <laughs> and uh, clear as a bell, out of the blue, I heard God say, I want you to build a bow. I said, huh? Kind of thinking for a second. Well, that's easy. I can do that. <laughs> that's all you want. Listen, I can handle that. Uh, so I went home, and my wife, you know, I've given up this dream of building a bow back when I graduated high school just due to time. Uh, so I start pulling all my bow building books out and doing a bunch of research, and obviously the first thing I need is materials. So I start looking, what, where can I get material where I'm at right now? I don't have the option of going and cutting down a tree, etc., so I'm doing all this research, and, and it's not abnormal for me. Uh, me and my dad and mom joke about I got a little bit of OCD from my grandfather because <laughs> when I get an idea, I just, I'm just i superimposed on that idea, and nothing can get me off of it. So it's right. not abnormal for me to pick up a new hobby and just go berserk with it and focus on only that. So my wife is sitting over there thinking, oh, gosh, here's another one of these stupid hobbies that's going to take all his time. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, little did she know, uh, I had marching orders uh, from upstairs, and I was I was acting on them. Yeah, but you uh, did, but you didn't tell her that at first. No, though. no. Yeah. It was actually a year ago uh, that I told anyone uh, this story. <laughs> um, so uh, the first thing I did is I went and bought a uh, a piece of it, it's cabinet stock for those of you who are familiar. It's a inch and a half by roughly an inch thick or inch and three quarter by roughly an inch thick piece of red oak uh, from from the store. And I started working on a bow, and I managed to build one, and it's not very good. Uh, but it, it'll launch an arrow at probably about uh, 90 feet per second. Uh, and so that wasn't good enough for me. So I went and bought another one and started working on uh, another bow. And I got it built, and it worked fairly decently for quite a while. And it's still got pieces of it laying in the shop right now. Uh, um but it wasn't enough, uh, and part of it was because in the pursuit of this bow, I was in pursuit of what I didn't want to, uh, what I didn't want to know. <laughs> I was, uh, I was a very conflicted person for a little while. I was building these bows, uh, partially to avoid God, but partially to pursue why, why the heck would you tell me to build a bow? Um, and so these two little simple bows uh, one of them i actually was going to hunt with uh, but it, it didn't work out that year um these two simple bows they weren't enough i wanted to be able to harvest my own material from out in the woods cut it down split it up dry it and from start to finish from harvesting the wood uh out where you know, trees grow uh mm-hmm. to the finished product uh which is a a bow that can go hunting uh, that I can hunt with and harvest a deer with. I, I wanted my hands on all of it. Uh, so my wife had made a friend that lived just down the road from us who had four acres at the time. Um, and they had a hickory tree on there. And they said, hey, you can come. It's about you know, 10, 20, 10, 12 inches in diameter. You can come cut it down. I don't care. Just clean up the trash. Uh, I went over there and this dude thought I was crazy because I want to be able to, I wanted to make one with all hand tools. Right. Uh, so I showed up with an axe and some uh, splitting wedges. And this guy's like, dude, I I have, you know, I got a got a chainsaw in here. And I'm like, no, no, I'm going to do it all hand tools. Uh, <laughs> side note, I'd forgotten how hard it was to cut down an oak tree uh, with an axe. And, and if you do, make sure you sharpen it, even if you bought it that day. Because good grief, it took me about two hours to get that sucker to tip over. <laughs> um, but I got the tree cut down, uh, split it up, started working on, on some bows. And uh, we actually bought this house a little over a year ago. Uh, and moved into it, and on Christmas Day last year, or year before last, I guess now technically, uh, Christmas Day 2019, 
I broke the first stave. Once you split the tree up, those are considered staves, uh, and they're considered a bow stave until you get a string on it, at which point it's considered a bow. Uh, so out of those staves that I had made from that tree, uh, I broke the first one on Christmas Day 2019. Boy, I was ticked. It's the third bow I tried to make. Man, I was mad at me. I was mad at God. You told me to build these bows. You let me break this one. How many hours do you think you had in that? Uh, In that one, I probably had 12 or 13, uh, including chopping, uh, splitting. And that's work. That's not sitting at a side and letting it dry. I'll explain that process. How much time was the whole process from the time you... I cut it down in early October, and that was Christmas Day. And boy, I was I was not happy in in my mind because when God told me to build a bow, my my thought process was as you guys will recognize this later on when we start telling some good stories. But <laughs> my thought process was, man, if that's all you want me to do, this is either going to be really cool or I'm crazy and I'm hearing voices in my head. I ain't gonna tell nobody but my wife about Jack. <laughs> And uh, so now at this point, the bow's broken. I, was, I thought this was going to be a cool story. By the way, we gonna... by the way let, me just, let me just say this. What he just said, either this is going to be super cool or it's gonna, or I'm totally whacking it. That's how most of the really good stories we have, that's how most of them start off. Because we're like, if this don't work, I'll never have to tell anybody. But it will know it was God if it works. Uh, so yeah. that that's where my thought process was, and I was like, yeah, I thought you were gonna give me another cool story. I was going, you were just gonna pay out moment, as Dad says. <laughs> and uh, well, I was mad, and I ruined Christmas Day for my my one and a half year old and my wife. And uh, so about four, three, four, five days later, Dad was actually here. He had no clue this was going on. Uh, but I was out in the shop early in the morning. And I'm working on this this next stave because I was so mad I had to do something uh, to vent. Uh, and I'm working on this stave, and I I was so mad and working on it so hard, I'd, I'd ruined the stave, and it ended up breaking too. Uh, but I'm working on it, and I'm looking at it, I'm thinking, man, I, I ruined this stave, and I'm an idiot and all this stuff. And then I started thinking about where I was in life and where I'd been for the past five years at the time. I remember looking at that bow stave. You can edit this out if you want to, but the, the verbatim, I just got to a point where I was so real with God the verbatim words I said was, damn, I must be a pretty shitty bow stave. And all of a sudden, just like Dad was talking about earlier, the presence of God rushed into my garage that I call my bow shop right now. And he began to remind me of the process of building a bow. And he said, listen, if you think for a second that I as a master bowyer have not had you exactly where I want you this whole time. You're wrong. See, you thought all those years ago that I was just about done with the weapon that I was creating. But you're looking at it from the perspective of the of the stave. And all of a sudden, he began to walk through the process of building a bow. Once you cut down the tree... Uh, you split that tree up. When you cut it down, you split it up. It looks like six and a half feet pieces of, of firewood, and you put those things in a controlled environment in an area where you know you can either control the temperature uh, and moisture content and everything or where you have a good idea of what it is and how long it'll take for them to stabilize in that area. And from the point of the stave, you know, uh, growing all that time and then getting cut down and put on a shelf would would seem like it's just useless and ruined and there's no point of whatever and he said 
But that's because you're looking at it from the perspective of the Bostave. And, of course, at this point, I'm, I'm getting the hint that God's saying, you, you've been seasoning for the past five years. Mm-hmm. Because where I came from, you can ask anybody that, that really knew me and got to know me uh, all the way up till I was 20. Uh, I was so immersed in in my belief system and in the way I was raised. It, I had become judgmental. Yeah. And... And he just reminded me, he was like, listen, you thought way back then, big tall tree you were, you were useless to me because I needed a bow and I cut you down a few notches. I split you up and I put you in a controlled environment for the past six years. Now you have a better understanding. Everything, everything that you, <laughs> everything from the raising and the growing where I planted you that you had used to survive in that that area because what you're doing when you're seasoning the wood is you're letting all the sap that is required to live as a live tree but is useless to a bowyer uh all the wood uh, or not the wood excuse me all the the moisture that is that is embedded in that tree from just the the source of living from the environment uh, it came up in yeah the environment it came up in you're letting all that wash away and evaporate away and dry out and escape and he he began to tell me it's like you had a mindset because of the environment you lived in that i needed out uh and recently i've watched a video where this guy talks about bow building he's like you cut down a tree you split it up you let it dry you let everything you don't need dry out you remove all the wood you don't need and you got a bow (laughs) you know Uh, and it really spoke to me because as I go through this process, and and we'll talk, I'm sure I'll talk about this more because anybody who has known me for the past two years now uh, probably talks about me behind my back. I wish the dude <laughs> shut up about bow building. Um, uh, but this whole process, I've learned more about how God works when I put those bows on my on, on my shop uh, in my shop. Mm-hmm. And I take them and I start working them on the table and put them on the rack. Uh, and, and I'll go through systematically at some other point because it takes way too long to explain it now. Right. Uh, but God has begun to speak and move in my life. And I guess it was probably about a month later that I called you and said, we need to start a podcast. Uh, yeah. But that's how that's how I got to the point uh, where I'm now ready to take the next venture and it's a podcast. So I'm just going gonna, gonna to tell you a few things that I think right now. Uh, or that I can see taking place, and you know, we don't know for sure the direction everything is going to go. But I, I could foresee you having your own, uh, your own separate podcast just about bow building and the truths that you learn from that, because it's going to be an ongoing, constant, consistent thing. And it'll be something that'll always fit into what we're doing. Oh but, yeah, uh, I've, I've already yeah. got plans for that, but that's I'm, <laughs> I got to wait till I got time to do. It. I got to figure out how to build them. Uh, for those of you, for, for those of you listening, uh, I have attempted. I had 17 staves when I started this thing. I've given yeah. two of them away. Uh, two of them away, and I made a bow for my son, which was the third one, which is real simple to make a very small bow that you're not worried about the performance of. Uh, I now have five staves left, so that's I don't know, math in public. I don't feel like doing it, but uh, <laughs> the rest of them have broken, <laughs> uh, and I finally made one. So there's there's a lot more to learn, uh, but over the last year, even even broken bows, uh, they speak volumes. Man, <laughs> so uh, so let, let us do just a little bit of math together for a minute, even though you don't like to do math in public. Uh, the the other side, our perspective on the story was we 
we started having kids uh, in our in our mid twenties, and uh, we were idealistic parents in our minds. I mean, who's we, not? I yeah, catch right. myself I get, doing the I get, same thing. Right. I've got a two year old and a two week old. I'm yeah. the same way. Right. And so we thought, hey, we're gonna we're gonna do everything we possibly can to ensure that these are these kids are super spiritual giants as they grow up. And uh, and man, what we realized is uh, only God only God can do that. You know, and but we wanted to foster the right environment for them, a great environment for them to grow in. So, and because of what we've done with our lives and what God had to do in us to get us even to have that desire, uh, when our kids grew older, and you know, we we sort of, as they were younger, we mapped out a plan for them in our mind. And as some of you listeners may have experienced already, or maybe you haven't yet. And maybe this will help you uh, realize you don't get to map out your kids' lives. You don't get to map out their spiritual journey. And so for us, when we watched, a, uh, every one of our children is different, but Andrew here is our, our oldest son. We watched him. I remember when he came to me and he said, Dad, I joined the Marine Corps. You know, at that point, one of his logic, the logic, part of his logic was he had had a dream at that time, at one point of having a horse ranch. And on that ranch, he was going to have a boot camp for troubled teen boys. And so at least that's the excuse he used. He said, I'm going to go get this boot camp part down. I've joined the Marines. And I said, you did what? And so <laughs> I thought about it, I said, son, there, you know, the, I'm not saying the Marines is bad when I said a harebrained idea. I'm saying that from my perspective, the reasons I was joining is probably a harebrained. <laughs> <laughs> well, not only that, but just the, the environment he grew up in. I told him, I said, son, you grew up in a bubble. You're about to go. You have no idea what you're about to walk into. And I, and I had a, I had a faint idea. But, uh, you know, and he said, Dad, I know. You know, I, I've been around construction. And I mean, anyway, I thought, oh, man, he don't have. But he he faced worldviews he'd never faced before. Uh he, he faced the fact that you you had kind of a silver spoon uh, religious system because yeah. everything that you believed and had practiced and had done, you pretty much, we, we put it in your mouth. You said it earlier, yeah, living, living another way was not an option. Yeah. You know, but, and it's not, it's not, and not just because we wouldn't allow it, but because it really wasn't an <laughs> option for you. Because you just never had any other choices. This was, this was all there was to life, to right. live like this. I was the homeschooled son, of the oldest homeschooled son of a Southern Baptist preacher. And, and uh, I mean, I'm not... I, I, I'm not saying woe is me. It, I'm I'm very thankful for the way I was raised. I want everybody to understand that I'm not complaining about the way I was raised. It's given me a great foundation, and it's brought me back to where I am today. All right. But I had to go out and have that experience. I had sure. to have a time of seasoning where everything that everyone goes through a time of seasoning. For me, I had to be exposed to that. Uh, that that I wasn't used. To. I, I had to come out of the religious environment and realize what, what real hey, people man, experience. That is the main thing. Not only not only the the homeschooled son of a Southern Baptist. Let's talk about the homeschooled side of that because he, your mom, Andrew's mom, my wife Debbie, and she she has a degree in music. Uh, but she also, man, when we were going to college, she wanted to take the theology courses too. So she'd come across where she went to where she went to college uh, was across the highway from where I went to college. She'd come across and take the biblical language classes, the Greek and the Hebrew. And she, fortunately, 
she was a year behind me in those classes because she set the curb in both <laughs> classes. And all those all those pastoral major students were, were always calling me like, man, tell your wife to chill on this curb thing, man. She's killing us. Uh, she's always been passionate about the Lord and about his word. And so uh, from both angles, you know, that, that was your house in life growing up. Yeah. So I'm saying I'll say this. As our kids got older and we hoped and we dreamed and we thought and we planned and mapped out uh, all these things. And then all of a sudden they began to be different people than than we might have dreamed of them in an idealistic situation. Then the next thing we know, this sucker's joined the Marine Corps. And then I'll never forget. We must well just go all out on this story. Now go for it. Okay. The very first time I, I saw a Facebook post, Andrew, when he left home, I'd never heard him say use one profane word. I'd never heard him say one dirty word. You've already heard him say two in this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So now, and he only, he didn't do that for effect or for drama, but just for the sake of being real. Just like, yeah, understand, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I know most of you probably came to this podcast uh, (laughs) to hear something clean and maybe family friendly. Uh, But like Dad said at the beginning, we didn't start this podcast uh, to be another theological guru type thing where you yeah, talk, or a picture we, of perfection. Yeah, it's reality. Reality is the reason we started this podcast. Real people uh, meeting a real God in real circumstances. Because hey, real people are real sinners. We're born. Yeah. We're born with these tendencies. We're we're not like God. We're unholy. We're depraved, and because of that, we walk through real issues in life. And you know. Uh, we try to raise our kids in this bubble, but when when this one left home and joined the Marine Corps, and like I said, I, he man, he'd never cussed, he'd never smoked, he'd never drank, he'd never anything. Matter of fact, he did not think highly of people who did, uh, because we didn't realize we did not intentionally create that kind of mentality in our kids. But uh, he he told you a while ago, in some ways, he thought he was better than other people. Uh, and he, he was judgmental of other people. And, uh, man, the last thing we ever intended to create in our home was a judgmental uh, environment. But it, but that's what naturally came out of that for you until God had to show you. I'll, that's what I started to say. The first time uh, a friend of his posted a picture on social media of, uh, of him in Japan in a bar uh, with a cigarette in his hand. All right. Well, let me paint... <laughs> I don't remember which picture was posted. And like I said, I I wasn't blatantly running from God, but I was just trying to get by, and I knew if my dad got a hold of that, boy, you, you should have heard this. <laughs> my dad would have been upset if he heard what I told my buddy for posting that picture. <laughs> well, you know, but what, what got me was when, uh, when he knew that I had seen that, or no, I think you contacted me first. Uh-huh. Uh, when he knew that it was possible for me to see that because this guy tagged him in a post. Uh, he said, Dad, uh, and, and here's his approach, which I, to this moment, son, I appreciate this. Uh, in one regard, and in one regard, it told me several other things, but he said, Dad, listen, here's what's happened. Here's what's out there. I'm very upset with this guy. And and your statement was, uh, I, I don't, I'm not meaning to drag your name down. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to drag down your name. And I remember thinking, <laughs> my first thought was, I really appreciate that. Uh, hard in that mentality, but dragging down my quote unquote good name, first of all, if anybody knows me, <laughs> yeah, they, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a good enough actor to, to act like I've got all everything together in a bag of chips, but, uh, you know, uh, 
my first thought was, man, my good name is the last concern I have, you know, right now. But for for uh, Debbie and I to watch our son walk down a path that we uh, had had intentionally chosen to walk away from at not much younger than he was when he's experiencing all these things for the first time was painful for us was disheartening was disappointing and we couldn't have spiritual conversations with him uh you know i mean we attempted to but i realized we realized at some point that if we try to push him in the right direction we're only going to push him away and and uh and I, i remembered something about my own upcoming my my mom and dad raised me in a similar way i mean not the same way but uh but it wasn't my mom and dad that saved me it wasn't my mom and dad that made me passionate it wasn't my mom and dad that filled me with the spirit it wasn't my mom and dad that gave me a hunger for the word because it wasn't my mom and dad i had an encounter with in my bedroom that night yeah it was it was god it was it was him and i couldn't deny that and i wanted more of that <laughs> even though it scared the daylights out of me and so a little over a year ago or how long ago that was now uh when you you know i think it was in this very room uh when when your mother came back yep. here and y'all stayed up all night long and you just started and you that was the first night you told her or marlena <laughs> yeah uh, and, and you your wife and your mom are in this room and you y'all stayed up all night long and your mom calls me the next morning i'm i'm back home in texas and and she's telling me you ain't gonna believe the conversation we had <laughs> last night son you blessed your mom but for him at that point to know, okay, God has dealt with me. But what really had to happen, I, I remember writing you this letter. I don't know if you've even got it. We probably discussed it 16 times and I've forgotten our conversation. I remember I wrote Drew a letter uh, after that whole picture and that, that whole event, you know, and, and him mentioning that wanting to drag down our good name. And I thought, man, uh, one of the lines in the letter I wrote, you said, uh, welcome to the real world. <laughs> so now you're just one of us, you know? Yeah. And uh, for me, and my mom, your Nana helped me with this, you know, too, because uh, she saw it, and, you, and and I know you're worried about your grandma and grandpa seeing it, <laughs> Lord have mercy. <laughs> you know, just because they want the, what's best for their grandkids. But I remember your Nana said, you know, Todd Andrews was always such a good kid coming up. He was too good because he thought he was good. Yeah, you know, and and God had to bring him here to bring him back around. So for us to sit here on the opposite sides of this mic uh, right now and to talk about what God has done to get us to this place is a great gift. That's why. That's why. Probably it's probably why it's been so hard for us to get started on this thing. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm sure lots of folks need to hear this, and if if nothing else, just us to hear one other heart all over again. But to see that God is doing something always that's bigger and broader than the spectrum we can see from. And so uh, this is huge for us. We hope it's huge for you because you have a story too. God is crafting a story in every heart, in every mind, in every life. And your story is not going to be picturesque because we don't live in Eden. No. It's a messed up world we're living in. Just the point in time in history that we're sitting in right now, uh, yeah, in unprecedented ways, we're keenly aware we live in a messed up fallen world. But in the middle of all that, man, we have a great God who redeems 
uh, those who need redemption. And we needed redemption. Mm-hmm. We needed redemption. Yeah. All right, so, man, thank you for sharing that. You know, oh, yeah. You know, got us uh, all emotional in the moment for the moment. <laughs> hey, uh, we don't know what to tell you that you can expect each time we get together, but you can expect this. We're not going to put up a front for you. We're not going to try to put up a show for you. We're not going to try to impress you. Uh, sometimes we're going to make you laugh like crazy. Sometimes you're going to you're going to turn this thing off and say, those guys are nuts, man. <laughs> and there'll be days when you think, how are they even still alive? Because <laughs> I promise you, we got some of those stories. But we hope that, that every single time you turn off one of these episodes, you're going to say, man, there's no doubt that those... Those guys, that crew, that family, their friends, they really are just a bunch of real people. Maybe redeemed rednecks, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, man, there was a long time in my life I did not want to be a recognized. I wanted to be, uh, I wanted to be seen not as a redneck. You know, I want to be refined. I am, I am a refined man of God. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, uh huh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it takes somebody to get to know either one of us. You know. Well, what well, I realized is, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, not to bring up the bow again, and like I said, I'm sure our <laughs> listeners are going to get it. Yeah, uh, I'm stuck again. One of the many things that, that God revealed to me in that moment uh, in my garage uh, is, you know, you see, anybody who's worked with wood knows that anytime there's a knot or or a, a weird run in the grain of the wood, it's, right. normally, it's normally because uh, either... Uh, something external or internal has inflicted harm to that tree. Uh, and when you're working a bow, you've got to follow that natural grain. So anytime something like that has happened, you have to follow it. And the finished product is with all the, some of the best, coolest, and most beautiful bows in the world uh, are from trees that everybody says, hey, that, that'll never make a bow. Um and it's not a testament to the tree when they make it. It's a testament to the bowyer. Mm, right. It's a beautiful thing to look at. But if you think about it, it's all imperfections and and harm being inflicted upon that plant. But that those are what makes the prettiest bows. Not because the tree was inflicted with pain, but because the bowyer knew how to work the you wood. You showed me a video last night, that kid that you showed me last night when he made his first harvest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when those boys were working on those bows, I was thinking, that, that was curvy, knotty, gnarly looking, but that was cool looking. Though. Yeah, it is cool looking. And and that's Bodark wood uh, okay. with Bodark. If you look at the way it grows, it just beats the crap out of itself as much as, much as any tools you use with it. But yeah, there's pin knots and bends and all kinds of stuff. And, and some of the best, like I said, best bows, most beautiful and coolest bows to look at are the ones that are inflicted with the most damage. Well, it's it's not yeah. a testament to uh, to the wood or the bow. It's a testament to how good the bowyer is right. at compensating for those things. Right. right. Um, and, and that's that's... Part of the reason I think Redneck Redemption is is uh, is going to be a little bit different than most podcasts because we're we're not just here to talk to you about the theology. We're here to <laughs> to literally prove to you <laughs> that that the master who's crafting us into his tool uh, is more than capable of, of handling and compensating 
our damaged parts. And thank you, Jesus, for that. Now, that is, now you keep saying, we're not here just to talk about theology. Deep theology gets down to what is real and changes your life. It's the study of who and how God is. And he uses these processes in our lives to make us see who he is and how he works. Let, uh, yeah. let, let me redefine what I'm saying by deep. Th- the deep <laughs> theological debate that gets you more confused than you were when you went in, that's not the goal of this <laughs> right, podcast. We're, exactly. we're not diving in. We're not splitting hairs on uh you know what god's shoulder looked like when moses looked at it Uh, we're we're talking about the power that came after he saw the shoulder of god (laughs) uh, we could we could use some deep theological terms and uh, and we may explain some you know we could talk about what justification means and somebody listening is going to say that's not deep well you know what for somebody listening that's really deep they don't have a clue what that means we could talk about uh man substitutional atonement uh there's so many things we could talk about but you know what I use terminology that people can't understand, especially people that need to experience the effect of, of what that stands for, what that represents. And so, man, I, I used to say it like this. I, I like to preach. I like to use McDonald's terminology. Not everybody can afford the most expensive steakhouse, but just about everybody can afford to drive through McDonald's. I want to use terminology you can understand, and that will bring you to a place in life where you can walk with the God who created you. I like that one. I've never heard you say that before. (laughs) (laughs) That's a miracle. Most of the time you say, I've heard that a thousand times. Listen, I want to use Harbor Freight terminology to explain DeWalt technology. (laughs) Now now you can see what kind of crowd we're going to be drawing here. Well, hey, man, what a what a great way for us to start and uh, just to hear each other's heart and the story. And I appreciate you bumping us to start that way, son. And so, hey, for right now, we're going to stop for just a moment and uh, or at least take a break for a minute and let you hear maybe from one of our sponsors. Wait, we got again. sponsors? Well, by faith, we're going to have sponsors. Hey, amen to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't actually have any sponsors yet, but what we do have are a few clips from a crazy story we're going to share with you guys next time. He's got pretty good... Pretty good entrance story here. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, no midwife, no doctor, no nothing. Just me and my wife. Water broke at 131. Uh, head crowned at 132. And baby was here at 133. Hey, thanks for listening. Please like, subscribe, and rate our podcast. And get ready to hear the rest of that story and more on our next episode. <laughs>